I'm going to attempt to um, actually teach on my subject for last uh, Sunday, which is called uh, the staff, his sling, and the stones. Okay. The staff, his sling, and the stones. We're, of course, talking about David, and um, um, under the, uh, the message or the, the, the um, series, um, strategies for giant killers. Everyone say strategies for giant killers. Say it again, strategies for giant killers. Now, uh, before I get into the text this morning, there's a verse of scripture I want us to read as a foundation for what I'm going to be teaching. This is a very popular verse. It's actually in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. Let's turn to Hebrews 11, verse 6. We're going to use this as a foundation verse this morning. You know, foundation is where you start from, on which you build everything else. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, sometimes people come to church for many years, uh, people learn stuff in church, but it doesn't really make much of a difference uh, to their lives. And that is because whenever you're building a house, you need to start with a foundation. Are you with me? This is the foundation that you, you start from. If you don't have this foundation, it doesn't matter how high uh, and how beautiful the house looks, the house is going to eventually come down. Amen. It says the person that approaches God must do certain things. You have to do this. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You must believe. The New Living Translation says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we begin from the premise that you must believe that God exists. Amen. You must believe that God exists. You must believe that there is a person called God. And you know, to be God, you have to be all-knowing. To be God, you have to be all-powerful. To be God, you have to be everywhere present. You've got to be omniscient or, or, or uh, omnipotent um, and omnipresent. So you must believe that God exists. You must believe that he's all-knowing, which means he knows your past your present and your future. And he, he sees them all at the same time. Are you with me? He knows what you are going to need in future. He knows what has happened to you in the past. And he knows exactly what's going on with you right now. You must believe that he's all powerful. That he can change anything. If you have a sickness in your body, you must believe that God is able to uh, grow you a new arm or give you new teeth or give you new blood. You must believe that there's nothing impossible with him. You must believe that God is not far away. You know, there used to be this um, um, lovely, um, I think there were a South African group of young people and um, they, they went all over the world and they were singing this song, um, From a Distance, God Watches. And Anyone ever heard the From a Distance song? Yeah. I mean, I love the kids, but um, they lost me at, at hello, as it were. Because um, when they said from a distance, I, 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 uh, I instantly switched off. Because God is present. He says the person that comes to God must believe that he is right here. He's not far away. He, your prayers don't have to go beyond the roof or beyond the ceiling. He is right here. You must believe in a present God. Who is right here and who is all powerful. And who is all-knowing. To build this thing, you must start with that foundation. We can't help you if you don't believe that. That's where we begin from. You must believe that God exists. And then you must believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The Message Bible says that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. 
You know, the message Bible puts it this way. It says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough. Everyone say cares enough. That he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. You must believe this. You must believe that he's present, he exists, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and that he cares enough to respond to those that seek him. That he cares enough to respond. You know, in Jeremiah 20, 29, 13 and 14, let's look at it from the Message Bible translation. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So God says to you that believe me that when you seek me out, when you search for me, I will respond. Believe that I care enough to respond to you. You must believe that. You must believe that your time investing in the spirit is going to be rewarded. Otherwise, you're going to give up, aren't you? So he says the person that comes, the person that wants to be close to God, must believe that he exists, that God exists, and that he will reward the person who focuses on him and diligently seeks him out. Amen. And that's why we can operate as giant killers. Because God exists. He's not far away. He's right here. And he will reward those who put their trust and their faith in him. Now with this in mind, let us continue our teaching this morning by opening to 1 Samuel um, chapter 17. I'm not going to do any kind of recap, even though we've been doing, we've been teaching on this for about four weeks now. All the CDs are available um, at the CD shop. And um, you can uh, take advantage of those. So 1 Samuel, chapter 17, I'm going to start reading from verse 38. Of course, what's happened so far is um, um, David goes to the battlefront, he hears Goliath, and um, he begins to say what's going to happen to the person who kills this man, and that word gets to um, Saul. So David is, um, is in Saul's presence at the moment. Okay, and he says in verse 38, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. So he said last week that you cannot fight your giant with somebody else's armor. Yes. Yeah, you, you can't do that. You can't fight... Your giant with somebody else's revelation of Jesus Christ. You can fight um, a giant with old paradigms. Thank God for our fathers. Uh, we honor our fathers. Uh, we stand on their shoulders, uh, but we're not limited by them. You can't fight your giant with somebody else's armor. Get the CD for that. You'll be blessed by it. But then verse 40 says, Then David took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. He drew near what? To the Philistine. So I've titled the message this morning: David, his sling his staff, or his staff, his sling, and the stones. His staff, his sling, and the stones. Hallelujah. Uh, Father, I ask you to empower me this morning by your grace and by your spirit. Let the words I speak be words of life. Uh, let it invade our hearts, O oh God. Let me speak as the oracles of God. Let, our, let wisdom come from above. We're not interested in the wisdom of man. Only you can help us. So we open our hearts to you this morning. For the spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. So we're talking about um, um, his staff, 
um, his sling and the stones. And we, we, we see that with the equipment David had, it gave him confidence to approach his giant. And when you pick up your equipment, you can walk towards your challenges, toward those things that loom so large and impossible. You can walk toward them with the confidence of God, and you will indeed overcome. Well, that's a good place to say amen you missed out there. I said you will indeed overcome. Now, let's look at what these things signify. Uh, the first thing he took was his staff. His staff. Uh, you need to take up your own staff. Now, now, that staff represented his work and his very life. His staff was a very personal tool. You know, every shepherd had a staff. Of course, um, it was recognized as um, their tool of authority. Okay, um, even in Psalm 23, it talks about um, thy rod and thy staff, they, they comfort me. All right, um, a, a, a shepherd used the staff for very practical things. To lead the sheep, it was a sign of authority, etc., um, etc. Et but but, but the, the key thing I want to talk about with respect to the staff is something I discovered when I was doing some research on this. You know, in Bible times, when a shepherd received a staff, it was, it was made to last for a lifetime, okay? They didn't change staffs, okay? It's not like, you know, a walking stick. You know how people now have, you know how they have a lot of watches and they have different walking sticks, you know? Uh, they, they travel abroad, go to duty free and grab one walking stick that looks nice. And a lot of people in Abuja now, it's like the, you know, it's like a sign of prosperity. When young men are, you know... <laughs> When young men have different kinds of walking sticks. Um, well, uh, in, in the old days, in, in uh, Bible times, a shepherd only had one staff. And that staff was made to last a lifetime. There was a substance that was um, um, a, a brown oily liquid that was put on the staff. It was called like a creosote type substance, which made it hard and it ensured that it didn't rot. So that's, that shepherd will have the staff all his life. Yes, it was a symbol of authority, but it was there to be his all his life. And this staff uh, would typically have marks on it up and down. These marks represented dates in which something significant happened in the life of that person. It was like a type of personal diary, okay? So basically, you will have a staff, which is a wooden staff, and you knew that you had this staff for life. And as a shepherd, when things happened of significance in your life, you will make a record of it on the staff. Are you with me? So it was like a personal diary, okay? So imagine a David who was out in, um, um, in the desert... Tending the ship of his father. And David, of course, we know he was a worshiper and he was spending time in the presence of God. So, of course, whenever David had any kind of revelation, he will etch it on his staff. Because they didn't have iPads in those days. They had their staff. Okay? And then on one, on one particular day, somebody came to look for David and said, there is a prophet um, asking for you. Because he has seen all the seven sons of Jesse, but the Spirit of God has indicated to him that there is still one son. And, and David thought, okay, and he etched on the staff, God remembered me today. And he got back to, Jess, um, to Jesse's home, and he got anointed um, by this prophet to be king of, of Israel, that he was going to be king of Israel. So he probably etched that on his staff. And then he went back to the... Um, uh, to the, the backside of the desert, and he saw the attack of the, uh, of the lion, and of course we know what happened. He attacked the lion and retrieved the lamb from its jaws, and God gave him a great victory, and he recorded that on the staff. And then another day a bear came. You, you get the story, right? So this was a staff of remembrance. Everyone say staff of remembrance. And when he got before Saul, he had his staff with him. And he said, uh, Saul, I have a pedigree. I have a record, a documented record of the goodness of God in my life. You see, you need to approach your giants 
with your staff of remembrance. You need to remember that the God uh, of the Bible has been faithful to you thus far. You need to remember where you have come from. You need to remember the times when you thought, you know, you couldn't make ends meet and there was no way through the challenge that you had at the time. You need to remember how God was faithful in your life. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that was faithful to his word yesterday in your life is going to be faithful to you today and he will be faithful to you tomorrow. You know, David approached this new challenge. He approached this new challenge with the staff of remembrance. He said, you know, I may never have walked this path before. I may not have faced this kind of challenge before. But I remember the God that I serve. You know, as a pastor, I face new challenges every day. And you face new challenges every day. We all do. But I remember the challenges I had in the past. And for me, I would tell you that the challenges I have as a pastor are not to do with revelation. Okay? Because that is an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Spirit of God speaks to me all week about what I'm going to preach on Sunday. You know, and uh, typically it's on Sunday morning that everything comes together. From like 4 a.m., you know, everything just comes together. But I've had it all week. And everything is falling into place. It, it takes me no stress at all to preach. It's very easy. Yes, of course, I study. But I don't study to preach. I study for my own life. And then the Spirit of God begins to throw things in my spirit. I speak by revelation. Are you with me this morning? So that is not a challenge for me. One of the challenges I have have to do with finances. Where the Lord gives you a new vision, a big vision. And it's bigger than anything that you can do in your own might. Uh, God will always give you, give you a vision that's bigger than yourself. But what I find is that, um, you know, I don't feel as perturbed about financial challenges than I used to. Because I have a staff of remembrance. And sometimes it surprises me in some respect. Because, you know, uh, they, you know they say the budget is so-so-so amount. And you think, okay, we'll believe God for that. But the reason why I can say that is I have believed God for small amounts. I'm not going to give you testimonies today, but I've, t- I've told the church testimony after testimony of supernatural things that has happened to us as a family in terms of financial provision. Every time there's a supernatural miracle, it is etched on that staff in your spirit. So when you face a new challenge, yes, it's a new challenge and you need to walk by faith like e- as ever before, but you have something to lean on. It is called the staff of remembrance. And that's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them remember. Remember the benefits of the Lord. That's why in Deuteronomy 26 that we just read, he says, whenever you give an offering, say something. Remember where God has brought you from. You have something to be thankful for today. You need to remember the God that was faithful in the past. He will be faithful in your future. All through the Bible... You will see the record of the staff. Another story that is so significant is that of Jacob. Jacob, as we know, his name meant supplanter. He was like a four-niner. He lived by his, his own wits. For over 21 years, he was living by his wits. But then he had an encounter with God. He finally accepted that, God, I cannot live by my own wits anymore. And the Bible records about an incident that happened um, at Peniel where the angel of God um, appeared to him and they had a wrestling match. Now, you know that you can't wrestle with God, right? But you know that God wrestles with us all the time. You know that, right? When it comes to issues of our lives where where we're meant to give up to him, you know, the Bible says that, that we should be anxious for nothing. He says, be anxious for nothing. In everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's always a struggle to worry, isn't there? Do you know that um, worry is a sin and the Bible commands us not to worry? It doesn't suggest that we don't worry. It's not a suggestion, it's a sin. 
So whenever you are tempted to worry and you give in to worry, there's always a struggle between God's counsel and your own fears. The Bible says that we should cast all our care upon the Lord because he cares for us. Do you know that they are your cares, but you're not designed to carry them? He said, these your cares, cast them on the Lord. But what do we do? We cast them to the Lord and we take them back. We kneel down and say, God, you know this concern I have. This worry about the rent, about my, my future. This worry about my children's education. This worry about how I look to my wife or how I look to my husband. This worry about my job and, and how I look, you know, uh, amongst my peers. You say, God, you need to meet me at my point of need. And say, God, I trust you. And then we get up from that prayer closet. We walk outside the door and we run back in and take our care again and put it on our shoulders. There's that wrestle, isn't there? Now, at Peniel, Jacob wrestled with God. And he came to a point where he said, God, I need you to bless me. I am willing to let go of my former identity and take on a new identity that is yours. An identity of somebody who casts his care fully on the Lord. And the Bible says something significant happened. The Lord changed his name. He changed his name from Jacob, which was a man who lived by his own wits, his own wits to Israel. One that had power with God. Are you with me? He changed his name to Israel, and then the Bible says something else significant, or something, um, another thing happened. The Lord dislocated his hip. Yeah? So he needed to rest on what? On a staff. The Lord dis dislocated his hip. So he now leaned for the rest of his life on a staff, a staff of God's authority, and a staff that recorded God's faithfulness in his life. That staff was a staff that showed his dependence on the Lord. Beware of people that walk around without a staff. Because the staff is your, is your place of greatest power. Because that staff is the staff of God. And it records the faithfulness of God in your life and your dependence on that. And at the end of Jacob's life, of course, he lived a, a very fruitful life. He had 12 kids. And um, at the end of his life, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty one 21, that when it came time for Jacob to die, he prophesied over the life of his children, his 12 children. And in, oh, there were 11 at this time, actually. And in Hebrews eleven twenty one, the Bible says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Amen. He leaned on the top of his staff. He could, he could prophesy about the faithfulness of God in the future. Because he remembered and leaned on the faithfulness of God in the past. Are you here this morning? Yeah. So as we approach our giants. There are three things you must have in your hand. One, you must have your staff. Your staff of remembrance. How many of you have God been faithful to in their lives? You must recall that over and over in your mind. You must declare it as you face new challenges. That my God is the same yesterday and forever. He was faithful in the past and he will be in the future. Um, in, in Psalm 78 verse 4, David said, We will not hide the testimonies of God from their children. These are the testimonies of God to the children. Telling to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works which he has done. Amen. Rehearse your testimonies. Say to your neighbor, rehearse your testimonies. Say to the other person, remember what God has already done for you. So he approached the giant with his staff. The second thing he had was his sling. He had his sling. Say to your neighbor, he had his sling. You know, um, I find it interesting that, you know, um, David was being sent to the battlefront to, de to deliver food to his brothers, but he brought his sling with him. David was being sent to the battlefront 
to deliver food, but he brought his sling with him. David was always prepared. He was always prepared. He was always prepared. He brought what he had. And he knew how to use it. You know, it is said that success happens when opportunity meets preparation. David didn't wait until the opportunity to prepare. I'll talk a little bit about the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the use of the sling next week. But David didn't wait for the opportunity to pre pre present itself for him to be prepared. He prepared before the opportunity. You shouldn't wait for the giant to reveal himself before you prepare. When you are prepared, you will actually see opportunity. When you are not, you will see impossibility. But when you are prepared, you will see opportunity. You know, Eliab and um, um, the other brothers of... Um, of David at the battlefront were probably disqualified because they weren't prepared. They had failed the lesser tests in private. So when the critical test came up, they fumbled. They were not prepared. You need to prepare for the challenges ahead spiritually. You need to prepare mentally. You need to prepare professionally. You need to, pre to be prepared. David was prepared. You know, I spoke earlier about the freebies program. As a business person, you need to be prepared. You might be saying in your mind, well, the deal hasn't come up yet. Uh, I, will, I will take the course when the deal presents itself. It will be way too late for that. You need to be prepared now. You need to be prepared spiritually. You need to have a, a, uh, a, a, a spiritual lifestyle. A habit of prayer. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You need to spend time with God. You know, somebody once said that God desires to be intimate with everyone. God has no favorites. He desires to be intimate with any, everyone. But he will only draw close to those who desire him enough to draw close to him. I'll say that again. He wants to be intimate with everyone. But he will only draw close to those who desire him enough to draw close to him. You need to draw close to the Lord in the spirit, in prayer, in meditation on the word. That needs to be a lifestyle for you. Whether an angel appears or an angel doesn't appear. Uh, you you want to be prepared in the spirit. How will you hear the voice of God at critical times if you have not heard the voice of God in private? Are you with me? Sometimes we have devastating things happen, calamities happen, and we, we get upset with God and say, God, why didn't you tell me? Well, he told you, but you didn't hear, because you haven't learned to hear him in private regarding the small things of life. Are, are you with me? We need to be prepared spiritually. We need to be prepared professionally. Professionally. The Bible says that show me a man who is diligent in his business. He will stand before kings and not before mere men. We need to be prepared professionally. You know, it was Martin Luther King that made the statement. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or as Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, there lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. You, you, you know, diligence is, I think, one of the ills that I believe plagues us as a people. We're not diligent. Well, a lot of them are not diligent. <laughs> diligence. Do you know that when you read after the likes of Joseph and the likes of Daniel, they were the best? You need to start by being the best. That's, that's where we start from. Before we take the fight into the spirit, you need to be the best first. In your field of endeavor, you need to be the go-to person in that area. Your skills need to be honed to the extent 
that when anyone thinks about this particular area, they think about you. Instead of praying to God that he blind your lecturer and give you an A, even though you don't do the exam, why don't you pray to God for wisdom such that your lecturer will be dazed by the answer you gave? The Bible says, I have more understanding than all my teachers because the testimonies of God are my meditation. The Bible says in him was life and the life was the light of men. The life of God within me developed my mind. Diligence. Diligence. The Bible says that Daniel was ten times better than his contemporaries. We need to be prepared spiritually. We need to be prepared professionally. Amen. We need to be prepared. Turn your Bible to the book of Judges chapter 6. Because our lack of preparedness disqualifies us. We're at the battleground and we don't have a sling. We don't know how to use it. We're not prepared. Look at Judges chapter 6. This is the story of Gideon and how God used him to defeat the whole Midianite army. You know, education is not a sin. You need to be well educated if you're going to defeat giants. <laughs> Are you with me? Your education doesn't stop when you finish your first degree. You need to be well informed. About your, your area of business, you need to be the expert. Well researched. Prepared to deliver. And when you are asked to deliver, you need to deliver to the highest professional standard. Amen. As a person, you don't come close to me if you're not professional. You wouldn't last for very long. As an employer, I do not tolerate... Ah, uh, mediocrity. I don't tolerate it. I do not believe in, you know, I went to a bank once. They were meant to open at 9 o'clock. And I heard them having a prayer meeting at 9. I'm like, what kind of... Do not, you, don't, you don't impress God with your mock spirituality. Are you with me? If you're employed to do a job, do the job. If you want to pray, pray before the working hours. Don't use the time your employer is paying you to preach the gospel. Preach during lunch. Shandai. Are you with me? I mean, all those things don't even... And you know, it's worse when you're a pastor and people work in the office. You know, I don't tolerate that. You're here to do a job. Show me your spirituality by your professionalism. Do the job and do it right. Amen. If you want to volunteer in the church, you better, you better do better than you do at work. Otherwise, you don't last for very long. Are you with me? You might have two hours, but those two hours, you need to recognize you are, that you are giving your time to God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're a learning organization, but we, we take our time seriously. We're not here to waste time. We'll train you, but don't waste our time. You need to be prepared. If you're going to work for God, you need to be prepared. In Judges chapter 6, I'll read, um, let's read verse 33. It says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abzerites, uh, those are his people, gathered behind him. So he blew the trumpet um, he, he, he indicated to people that, you know, this is what we're doing. This is our vision. The sound was clear for everyone to hear. And they all came together as an army to fight the enemy. Now look at um, chapter 7 verse, uh, verse 1. Now it says, Then Zerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, uh, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. 
And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to save the media or to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for, its, uh, for, its, uh, for itself against me, saying, my own hand has, del- has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000... Sorry, what? It says what? 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So... <laughs> He had an army of 32,000 people. And he walked through the army and said, "Um, if anyone is too afraid to fight, turn back now. And 22,000 said, okay, okay, since you are letting us off, we we are going now. So their heart wasn't there. In fact, they were so scared that they they could not be bothered. So it was like, boo, and they ran away, essentially. Now, notice that he had... he blew the trumpet. He, he declared what God wanted to do. And all these people gathered together. But 22,000 left immediately. But, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I'll test them for you there. Then it will be that whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever, whomever I say, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to, the, to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. Um, and the number of those who lap, putting their hand to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go... Every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and went away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and, he, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So God says to him, watch them drink water. You know, you need to, you need to test people around you to know what's in their heart. He says, watch them drink water. Tell them to go to the brook to drink some water. Now, these are guys that are, that are soldiers being equipped for warfare. And the fight could break out at any time. So these 10,000 went to the brook. And some of them took all their armor off. And thought, ha, rest time, finally. They kneeled down and they were lapping the water with their hands. They were not prepared. They were not ready. 300 have their armor on and were lapping with one hand. They were watchful for the enemy. Are you with me? So this 9,700 disqualified themselves because they were not prepared. And notice what happened. When he told them to go, they took their belongings with them, their provisions, their food, their trumpets. They said, you know what, I've got to eat on the way home also. And they left the 300. So God delivered Midian into the hand of Israel with prepared people. Are you with me? With prepared people. And, And you know, to be prepared doesn't mean you're not afraid. Because if you read the rest of the story, the Lord said to Gideon, okay, I'm ready to go now. Are you ready for the fight? Uh, The Lord is with you. Go and attack Midian. But he said to to Gideon, if you are afraid, go with your servant and go and eavesdrop in the camp of the Midianites. Guess what Gideon did? He took his servant and went to the camp of the Midianites to eavesdrop. And he heard one Midianite soldier talking to the other, talking about how afraid they were of Gideon, and it gave him strength. So even Gideon himself, who was prepared and was taking action, was still afraid. You know, it's John Maxwell that said that, that courage is fear that has said his prayers. You know, courage, a courageous person is not somebody that has no fear. A courageous person is somebody that sees the vision, has a big desire, and is willing to take action even though he's afraid. He puts his trust in God and begins to take action. These guys were 
prepared. They were prepared. They were prepared. David moved toward a new challenge. Resting on a staff of remembrance of God's faithfulness. God has been faithful to me. I remember when this happened, when that happened, and he came through for me. I stood on the word. See what God did. He remembered that and he leaned on that. He had his own armament with him. The thing that God had equipped him with. His area of skill and professionalism. And he was prepared. He was always prepared, always ready to deliver. Amen. But that's not all that he took. The Bible says that as he approached Goliath, he stopped by the brook and he picked up five smooth stones from the brook. He picked up five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in his pouch. Five smooth stones from the book. You know, it's important to understand that God always goes before you into battle. You know, I, I, was, I was meditating on this. The thought occurred to me. I, I wonder how long it takes for the action of water on a stone to make it smooth. Do you have any scientists in the house? You know, we talk about the, the constant action of um, water on stones that, that smoothens it. It takes a very long time, doesn't it? Scientists will say thousands of years or millions of years. Now, as David walked into the battle, he paused by the brook and picked up smooth stones. Now, there are certain things that you are going to need for your battle which can only be picked up at the battlefront. Are you with me? There are things that you would only pick up as you take action and trust that God has prepared the way for you already. Some of the tools you need are on the battlefield. The money you need, the contacts you need, the wisdom you need. Yes, you must have prepared some of these things beforehand, but some of the tools you need will only be found on the battlefield. No armchair warriors here. Waiting for everything to line up before you take action. Some of the tools are on the battlefield. He brought his staff there. He brought his sling there. But he picked up the stones at the battlefield. You need to believe in the omniscience of God. The God who is in all times at the same time. The Lord who sees your future with the same clarity that he sees your past. You need to believe that the Lord has placed what you need at the point where you need it. If you are waiting for him to supply today what you need tomorrow, you're going to be waiting a long time. And that's why the prayer, the Lord's prayer says that give us this day our daily bread. The bread I need today is going to be supplied when? Today. today. So you better be walking. <laughs> Hallelujah. You better be walking. The bread I need today is going to be supplied today. You know, the book of um, Psalms 37 verse 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and the Lord delights in his way. The Lord delights in the way of the steps of a good man. So a good man is always taking steps. Oh, come on, respond to me this morning. Yes, a good man is always what? Taking steps. You sense that God is leading you in a particular direction. You lean on the remembrance, on your staff of remembrance. You are prepared with what God has given you and you start moving forward. You know, somebody once taught me years ago that it is easier to steer a vehicle that is moving. If you want to turn a vehicle in one direction, it's easier 
when the vehicle is already moving to steer it. But if the vehicle is stationary and you want to move it, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. Look at um, a couple of quick examples. Look at Exodus 15, 23. You need to be taking steps. You need to be taking steps. Yes, you must be prepared. Remember what God has done for you. And then move forward. You need to take action, massive action. In the direction that you see God leading you. You need to move toward the giant knowing that your God has already gone before you. Look at Exodus 15. Verse 23. Now this is um, the story of Moses leading the children of Israel. Let's start from verse 23. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out of the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of the place is called Marah, which means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. No, so here we are facing a challenge. And we cry out to God. And God opens our eyes and says, See that tree over there? That is the remedy to what you need right here. They didn't have to go back to Egypt to get this you know, leaf or tree. The tree was right there. Now, now, imagine how long it would have taken for that tree to, be, to grow strategically at the point of need. It must have taken at least a lifetime or years before that. So God, who sees all things at the same time and knows what you are going to need in the future, will put the tree of your sustenance by the challenge that you need. And as you walk in that direction and you call on to God, God will open your eyes and say, it's, 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 it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. If you read the story of Haggai, Haggai was, was kicked out of the house of Abraham. And Ab Haggai went with her son Ishmael. She, Abraham had just given her a little bit of water. And they got to a point where she was thirsty and he was about to die. And the Bible says, she was, I mean, she said, you know, I'm not going to watch my son die. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, Haggai, what do you need? And she said, you know, my son is thirsty. I don't want to see him die. And the Bible says the Lord opened her eyes to, see, to show her a well. He said, that's the well over there. God will open your eyes to see your well. But your well is on the battleground. It is in your place of battle. In your place of battle is where the well is. Yes, you need to go with your staff of remembrance. You need to go prepared. You need to be the best. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. Your place of value. You need to have educated into a place of excellence so that you can deliver on top. Hallelujah. Don't pray if you're not excellent. The only prayer you should pray is for excellence. Are you with me? God, open my head to understand this book so I can apply properly. As I sit down in the middle of the night and I'm studying the trends of my industry, Spirit of God, open my eyes to see trends that people can't see. The only prayer you should be praying is to help you in being excellent. Then when you are excellent, then begin to pray for opportunity. Are you with me? Because if you are not prepared and the opportunity presents itself, a whole company of Israelis who have the same covenant with God that David had ran away from Goliath. The only reason why they all ran was because they weren't ready. That's the only reason why they ran. David wasn't more anointed. He was just more prepared. He was just more prepared. Hmm run out of time. I think I'll end here. He was more prepared. This is a year where you are released to take charge. The Spirit of God has been very clear. This is our year. 
You are being released to take charge. The things that you are going to need, the Lord is going to bring revelation your way through the ministry of the word and through other things that are being aligned right now. You are going to be meeting the right people that will help you in your preparation. You are going to be having the right opportunities that will help in your preparation. Don't let those opportunities pass you by. Because they are preparing you for something that is going to be a door that you are meant to walk through. Big doors swing on small hinges. Hallelujah. You need to be prepared. But this is our year for that. Hallelujah. The staff, his sling, and his stones. Let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, um, we're, we're so thankful for the word of God. The word of God that opens up your mind to us. Lord, the Bible says it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Your word says that the spirit of God has been given to us to lead us even into the deep things of God. That we may receive those things that have been freely given to us of God. Holy God, help us to measure your word correctly. Amen. Uh, help us to measure your word correctly. As we meditate on the word, Holy Spirit, open our eyes and interpret this word to our hearts, O oh God. Help us see how, how, how these words relate to what we are walking through at the moment. We ask for your wisdom, O oh God. We ask for your wisdom, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. I don't know if there's anybody here as the heads are bowed. You're here and you do not know Jesus. That is where it begins. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He's the door to life. Hallelujah. To real life, the high life, as we call it. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks today. And he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted him. I'd like to give you that privilege right now. Just raise your hands. I'll pray with you. And your life will never be the same again. Jesus will come into your heart and he will change you from the inside out. The Bible says that he that has the Son has the life of God. He that has not the Son has not life. This is not an invitation to a church. This is an invitation to Christ himself. Hallelujah. Lord, we're so thankful for the word. We're so thankful because the word is productive in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen.